Matters with Joel Caparella. <laughs> yes, Leading Matters. Leading Matters. Yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about, both of those things. Leading Matters and Leading Matters. Uh, yeah, I know, a little silly, right? But listen, I'm excited to do this. I, I really love that. It's exciting. You know, podcasting was real popular about, what, 10 years ago? And all of a sudden, it's come full circle. It's quite popular again. And I'll tell you what, I think I love it. I love the um, the format. I love the ease, you know, the mobile uh, accessibility to podcasts that you want to hear. I have a Sonos system in my house. I can play them over the Sonos system. Uh, there's almost too much content out there that's uh, pretty much in all media channels, I guess. But regardless, I discovered the app uh, Stitcher as well. Um, candidly, I'm not I'm really, you know, it, it's a little, it's almost a little inundating with all the data you can get and the shows you can get access to on Stitcher. But I also find the um, the uh, iPhone's iPad, or I'm sorry, uh, podcast uh, app is actually pretty good. Um, it, it's got uh, settings that I would expect. You know, automatically downloads the number of podcasts that I want, and they're there. Just deletes them after I've listened to them, so it's pretty good. Uh, so hopefully, you're either using Stitcher or uh, you've downloaded this onto your iPhone or your other mobile device, and you're listening in in the car or, or wherever it might be. But um, I'm excited to do it because uh, look, when I set out to do this, uh, I basically wanted to discuss uh, exactly that: leadership matters, and matters in in, in the essence of. The, the factors and elements that impact how a business is led and the impact that that leadership has on a business's growth. Uh, but then also the fact that, look, leadership absolutely does matter. It's got, you know, there's a big difference between management and leadership, and leadership sets the tone and, and drives the direction of an organization. And too infrequently am I able to connect with business leaders that give me and provide me with their perspective. And I know I'm not alone because when I talk to other leaders, they, they share the same thing. They wish they had these conversations under their belt, that they got some insight from some of their peers. So that's what I'm doing. I figure, you know what, we're going to put these together. We'll, we'll focus on 15, 20-minute interviews, longer format than some of my car casts or some of the written stuff that, that I put out to give you that insight into what other business leaders are doing in the way of marketing strategy, business strategy, how they're transitioning that strategy into execution, and... Uh, you know, how they manage their teams and lead their teams and even craft their teams, how they look at the marketplace, and on and on. I, I really think you're going to enjoy it. I've been having a fantastic time doing it. It's been really rewarding, uh, learning experience for me, humbling because there's so many great business leaders out there. I've been focusing mostly on the Philadelphia community because that's where I live, but, um, you know, nationally as well. And, I'm you know, I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive too to, to reach out to some uh, folks that – are well known in the marketplaces that they serve, but maybe I'm not connected with yet. So, you know, stay tuned for that. At any rate, I'm going on and I want to get you to the first interview today. So listen, I, I cheated a little bit. I asked my brother, Jay Caparella, to join me for the first interview, which we recorded a couple days ago, and we'll get to that in a minute. And uh, why did I do that? Well, first, you know, it allows me to be a little bit more fluid and flexible and make a mistake or two as I record this, um, but also because my brother is in a very interesting line of work. He sells franchises, and I am fascinated by the franchise business model. It's uh, been around forever, but it's a lot more complex than people um, really realize uh, because there's a lot of moving parts. There's the franchisor, the franchisees, that nature of that relationship, the different markets they're going into, the competition is incredibly fierce, and also the fact that the sales component of selling franchises is a big component of that business. So 
uh, I thought, hey, what great way to kill two birds with one stone. One, talk to Jay, because if I make a mistake or slip up, it's going to, you know, he's, he'll be forgiving. And two, um, I think it's a great uh, industry to take a look at to get some new ideas and, and new appreciation for how things are done and some considerations for your own business. So listen, we'll go ahead and get, get into it here. Just uh, one more, um, you know, Mia culpa, if you will. Uh, the audio is not fantastic. You're going to hear a little noise in the background and whatnot. Uh, we'll improve that as we go along the way here. Uh, but listen, I've enjoyed doing it so far. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with my brother, Jake Caparella. All right. Thanks, Jay. Uh, you know, I told everybody you're my brother already. So uh, thank you for, for helping us out and being our very first guest. Glad to be here, my brother. <laughs> so listen, um, one of the things that I, I've been talking to, as a matter of fact, I was talking to uh, a, a young lady who runs a great PR firm in the city yesterday about franchising, and it kind of eluded her, uh, the, the, the nature of the business itself, that a big part of it is actually the selling of the franchises to potential business owners. Uh, so it was kind of, you know, and, I, and what I'm, I realized is that Outside of the industry, not many people appreciate that the selling of the franchises themselves is a big part of the business model. Can you kind of you know explain that and discuss a little bit since you've been in the game for so long? Absolutely. There's three metrics that franchise companies uh, identify for success. First is, and this is a lot that people don't get, it's selling the franchises, getting the right mm-hmm. owners in the right markets. Second is... Uh, franchisee unit level economics, making sure they're profitable so they gain revenues. And then the third part is if they have a company store that they can make money from that. So, But the biggest part is, yeah, you need to build the brand through the distribution of franchising. That is what franchising mm-hmm. is. The hard part is the franchise candidate wants to make sure that in their market it's going to win and work. And a big part of that is marketing, branding, and rolling out in a, in a big way in the, at the beginning. I see. So, so talk about that a little bit. So, if, if I know there's, there's tons of franchises out there, you're in the business of connecting with these potential business owners and helping them see the value of the individual franchises that you've represented, in, right? So, the question, I guess, is then how differentiating does it become for a franchise to have a very well-defined, clear mission, a vision, a strategic approach to their to their marketing, and really a story behind their brand? Is that is that a differentiating factor in the franchise sales cycle? It is. If you look back over the years of franchising, which has been around for ages, we always point back to Sears and Coca-Cola, and that the distribution model helps to build the system across county lines, state lines, and, and nations. But you move into the technology era, and the idea of differentiator is paramount because it, it, there's so much competition. Franchising works. Uh, the statistic is uh, 8% of all retail outlets are franchises, yet they own f- almost 55% of total markets across spaces. So it's important for you to, or franchisors, identify a clear cultural advantage, the differentiator for the franchisees in their local market, and then where are we taking it? In fact, our team just yesterday spoke about that where is this brand? The brand I'm representing now is 40 years old, and in human years, that's 100. So some people might see that as on the decline, but they're doing fine. It's just a matter of can you keep regenerating the vision for the future, and it always looks in like this, two buckets, money, can I make money? 
And two, can mm-hmm. I be happy and satisfied, and can I keep my lifestyle? Uh, have a lifestyle. So, how about the the potential franchisee then? So, the the people that are in these sales cycle, I would imagine that there's different types of buyers, like there is in any business. Is the buyer that's predisposed to connecting that value of the the local connection with the marketplace and the vision and the reinvigoration of the brand, like the forty year old brand that you've mentioned, is that buyer predisposed to kind of latch on to that? It's not really the right way I want to put it, but to kind of see the value to and help them make a, a swifter decision and then capitalize. I guess what I'm asking is, is the business owner capitalize on that? versus some other buyers that are looking to just, you know, run the transaction model. I mean, do you, is there a difference between the two? Maybe there's not, but is there a difference, and is there one that is more successful if the marketing model is in place for them? Yeah, excellent question, because we talk about that a lot inside. When you're talking to candidates, you can clearly distinguish, let's call it the investors from the new entrepreneur or the family entrepreneur, right? So investors, or I also put that in a subset, uh, uh, all uh, people who already own businesses, really looking just for the numbers. You know, show me the numbers. They're not super focused on their own particular narrative or the culture or any marketing message, but they're also very swayed by perception of brands out mm-hmm. there, uh, the radio ads, and of course PR. Lots happening online, social media. Huge benefit. It's typically a drip, but it does add up. From my seat, we always say that at the beginning, it, we talk about the, the basics, you know, how much time to put in, how much money to invest, what they can mm-hmm. make back, what the role of the owner is, and how does it roll out. But at the end of the day, it's all about gut feel. So we always say the winning formula for a successful franchise sale is getting their narrative. And to the extent that the company can utilize a good marketing firm, PR firm, to roll that narrative out in many ways, blogs, the website, that's the franchise website, consumer um, uh, type programs online that share testimonials, franchisees themselves, it helps a lot. I see. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question. I ha- actually, I hadn't even thought about it until you, you brought up the different media channels that the franchise can take advantage of. What's the is there an approach with what the franchisee can do and can't do? In other words, is are there some franchises you'll see a million different Facebook pages for the individual owners, uh, and I would suspect that that particular franchise doesn't have a social media policy in place. Let's say um, so. How mature is it these days where a franchise will actually have? Uh, do's and don'ts. Hey, you can market this way. You can't market that way. Here's what you can do on social media. Here's what you can't do. Uh, and then the ones that are more open, like what, what's the successful elements of that? Yeah, the again with the technology and information age, I would say the instant communication age. Right, it gets real critical, especially from the general counsel's seat inside the corporate office to follow mm-hmm. trademark guidelines. I mean, back in the '90s, it was simple. You know, here's your logo. Don't recreate it. Here's the color scheme. Here's the look and feel of the, of the store. Uh, so then there's a lot going uh, into play beyond that or subsets of that. Now it's, you know, how do you create the store to reflect the local community or climate? If you're in Florida, it's going to be a lot different than Maine. 
can you appeal to the right audience? So you have to make sure you're keeping an eye on what it looks like inside and out. Uh, outside meaning your website and attracting the right customer. We're big on analytics anymore in franchising. Actually, there's two main focal points or initiatives. It's the look and the feel of the brand. Is it relevant? Does it hit the target? Doing all the research to find out how to do that. Uh, and then also from the franchisee's perspective, are they are they keeping consistent with the offering and the services? Because that's a big challenge. It's sometimes like herding cats. They, they think they want to add on services or they have a better idea of how to do it. Franchising is all about following the model. There's a couple brands out there, and actually it's interesting because there are a lot's happening moving back towards just basic PR. You don't hear that much anymore because social media and the onset of technology has pretty much blown apart that term. But there's some people, franchisors, that just hit it big on PR and then create the culture awareness and then from the inside approach, follow the system, follow the guidelines. I don't, does that help? I'm not sure if that helps. It does. It does. So is the, it definitely does. But so what is the nature of the relationship between the, the franchise owner and the franchisor? Is it more, is it, is it closer to an, like it's not really an employee employer relationship. So help us understand the nature of that licensing agreement. Like what is and how do franchisees feel uh, to their franchisor? Like what's, help us understand that. Yeah. It's a, very important question. Actually, the International Franchise Association and franchise community has been focused probably in the last five-plus years, we call that recent, on franchisee relations. Sounds pretty obvious, but the old models of franchises were, and it's a distribution idea, right? Here's our product. Here's our service. Here's the, the material and tools. Go ahead and enjoy, and you know, you have your God-given right to succeed or fail. But now, main focus of franchise companies is if you don't get them profitable quickly, we, we say we need happy and profitable franchisees. And again, sounds obvious, but in any franchise concept, it's a typical bell curve, much like a corporate structure. The relationship is independently owned and operated. So your typical franchisee is, is in charge of, typically, um, most of the time, everything, marketing, hiring, operations, uh, and then making sure you're keeping focused on your cultural and interior customer relations and customer uh, uh, act, uh, customer experience. From the franchisor's perspective, we have a, a little mantra on the inside. You know, we're your back office administrative management consultant team. So we're, we're basically transcending what franchises have always been thought of. You know, buy the franchise and you're on your own. Now it's more of a, we're the consultancy team behind you, specifically on the back office, keeping your eye on the metrics, the numbers, and your day-to-day -day activity. Huge hot button for a lot of people now in getting into business uh, is, can the franchise help me keep my lifestyle while I keep my job? So semi-absentee or manage-the-manager models, real, real big right now. That's interesting, you know, because I, I, I can see the challenge. You know, there's a lot being written about corporate culture these days. It's a really big area of employee management and guiding your workforce in a particular direction. And it kind of sounds to me that it's not 
uh, dissimilar to, to the franchise model. And so I would imagine I would imagine that's a, a pretty significant challenge, right? So how does the franchisor, if culture is important to them and they believe that culture impacts the performance of individual stores and the revenue per store, then it's got to be a challenge to kind of propagate that culture down to each individual store level. I mean, is that a fair read on that? Very much so. Yeah, it's it's the has to start at the beginning conversation. If you don't get the right leads, and then those leads aren't the right fit, and that fit doesn't follow the system of the rules, then you're in big trouble. So there's no fail-safe in franchise sales. It's just a matter of can you – what we talk about a lot is the, the, the lineation between selling franchises versus recruiting the right franchisees because what's important is that the general public get a consistent message that if they go into a burger joint up here in the Northeast, they'll get the same thing in San Diego and beyond. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, from a compliance perspective, I mean, inside the franchise company, a lot of things that people don't see is our general counsel is pretty much sometimes trumps the president because you got to make sure you're keeping to federal trade regulations, that, that your franchisees are doing the right things and not putting you at risk. So there's a lot of heavy lifting a franchise company has to do in order to make it successful. Therefore, when someone evaluates this as a business, they start out looking at, can it make money? It evolves into, is the culture right and will it sustain itself? And then it goes full circle back to, can I make money and how do I feel about it? So it's hard to get away from just selling franchises, but you know the franchise sales community is always listening to the general counsel and the president. Make sure you get the right ones. Oh, and by the way, how many have you sold this month? <laughs> well, sure. That's always the uh, that's always the most important question, right? <laughs> All right, Jay. Well, listen. Uh, I appreciate your time. I know you're you got a busy calendar and coming up at the end of the month and all that. So, uh, been again been talking to my brother, Jay Caparella, a franchise professional for over what twenty some years now. Twenty four. Twenty four years. Very good. And he sold some sold some great franchises. Been very successful at it. So, again, thanks uh, a lot. Uh, I'm still waiting for my brothers to pony up. To buy a franchise. To buy a franchise. Okay. I'll meet you there. All right. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks. Let's say it again. Are you seeing you at Easter time? Yeah, yeah, see, we, we will be uh, seeing one another during the Easter holiday, so, uh, and I'll tell you what. There is a, is a chocolate bunny when you when you put this on, when you post it. <laughs> <laughs> will do. All right, thanks a lot, Jay Caparella, and I appreciate it, and good luck in the uh, rest of the quarter, which is just about to end, and uh, into next. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Joel.